Warning, the following content may contain elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. It's the Taz Show. Everybody hacking. Everybody just wants more with the action. Hip-hop Jones got the music blasting. Better watch out. It's all he's asking. Over like Rover. He keeps it real. He's no joker. Original. He's no poser. No competition. He's the owner. There I'm moving speakers closer. Cause it's time to tune in to the Taz Show. Yep. 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 Welcome, welcome to the Taz Show on this Wednesday edition. I am Taz, and I am still under the weather. Not complaining, I'm just annoyed. I feel like crap, and my head's going to explode. But welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for downloading the podcast version of the show, if you're doing that, at uh, TazShow.com or on the Radio.com app or iTunes, TuneIn, or Spotify. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or maybe you're listening live at uh, TazShow.com or live on your mobile device on the radio.com app much appreciated there so uh yeah we have a lot to the lot to go through and go over for the next two hours here on the show so uh so that's the dealio so a smackdown was last night going to talk about that uh election gimmick jones going to talk about that what happened to our own politician here on the Taz show pat McGroin. well if you look at the social media you understand he did the job uh he lost and we'll discuss that Pat is not in. Uh, we'll discuss why Pat's not in. We really don't care, but he's not. And uh, also, uh, there was a great, great uh, gimmick yesterday on ESPN 30 for 30 on the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And I have a lot to say about that at 30 for 30. First and foremost, if you want to call the show, go right ahead and call. All you got to do is dial an 866-475-2948. That's 866-475-2948. 8664-752948. Yes, there's the different cadence that throws everyone a loop. That's my gimmick. I don't know why I do it, but sometimes I do. Uh, so there's um, so much to, to go over in this episode here. I, I think I'm going to go over SmackDown shortly because we have a new champion. Uh, we had, we well, you know what? I'm not going to go into SmackDown shortly. Shifting gears, I'm going to go right to SmackDown now. Change everything in the run sheet, Dennis. We're going a different route. I'm going right into some WWE chatter with the SmackDown, a new champ of AJ Styles. I'm changing it. Just change the docket now. Docket has been changed. That's the Lumberjack, the biz dev guy of the Taz Show, if you just heard him. The audio producer, his name is Dennis Jones. Yes, uh, the guest call screen today, if you want to call, say hello to Anthony. You call that number I gave before, and... And I think he wanted to say something. He don't have to, but if he wants to, he can. And did you want to say something? Uh, lines are open. Please call. Thanks, Ant. Okay. That was great. Okay. I don't want to hear him anymore. Okay. I'm defribbing it right now. Unbelievable. So, uh, anyway, uh, so look. So, WWE. Uh, well, first off, let me just say AJ Styles. Before I get to talk about actual WWE, congratulations to AJ Styles. That's the first thing. Congratulations, and congratulations to Jinder Mahal, because he had a heck of a run, pardon my cold, he had a, a heck of a run as the WWE Champion, um, I was happy to see when they put it on him, I think he he's a guy with, who had real heat as a champ, and he's still going to have himself some heat, I think he's a top flight heel there, um, 
Obviously, his physique is there. His promo work has really picked up. His work rate in the ring is fine by me. He's got it all there, and that's why he had a nice run as champ. Maybe he'll get the belt back one day soon. Who knows? But it's all about AJ Styles right now. Congratulations, AJ. Um, hopefully, you know, he can keep this title a little longer than the last time. We shall see. And now uh, this is the situation where everyone's looking forward to Survivor Series where it's AJ going to fight, going to wrestle against Brock Lesnar, which is definitely a dream match, I would assume, for a lot of folks. But um, um, so AJ, it's well-deserved. I've, I've talked in the past about AJ Styles a lot. Uh, uh, he's a friend of mine. I'm a fan of his work. He's been on my show. Uh, I've first got to know AJ uh, during our time together at TNA. And I talked about this more than once. I, I One of the main things I was happy about going to TNA back in the day as a commentator was that I knew I was going to get a chance to call AJ Style matches. Because uh, I didn't know AJ, but I knew of his work, and I've watched him work, and I was always a fan of everything about AJ's work. So I'm just so happy for him. I tweeted a congrats to him and all, and I basically said, uh, long and short of it, he's the hardest working man in show business. And, and what I mean by that is, if you watch his in-ring work, it doesn't change. Like the guy just, I don't know how many years. If you get a chance, Dennis, just find out what year he broke into the business. Like, I don't because he's far from a rookie. My man's a, a vet, you know, and he's been around, and, and the guy looks the same. Like, he just, it's the, his work rate, he just doesn't miss a beat. Uh, knock on wood, thank God. He stays healthy for the most part. That knock was me actually knocking on wood. I'm superstitious. Uh, he stays, his body stays healthy for all the years at a high, the highest level, uh, for all the years wrestling for him everywhere he's worked is just a, a working machine in that ring. And, um, you know, he's respected by just so many of his peers worldwide and all of the fans out there. So for good reason, because of his in-ring work and, and his passion and what he puts out there. And he, he just, um, you know, he's just a, a pleasure to watch work. He really is. And I could tell you from a color commentary perspective, calling his matches is... It, it's very easy. You know, I, I, I'll put it on the same level as calling Eddie Guerrero matches, uh, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. I've had the opportunity to call wrestle Eddie and call out his matches, as you guys know. And calling Eddie matches were, was very easy. Were very easy. He, uh, uh, he broke in in 98 for National Championship Wrestling based out of Georgia. Okay, so 1998. So look at... Man, guy's working. Oh, my God. That's what I mean. Like, he's not... All these years. And it's like he don't miss a beat. But what I'm saying about a commentary perspective, um, calling an AJ match, and I'm putting him <laughs> in very very uh, high-praised territory there with Eddie Guerrero, and it's deserved for AJ. He's that good of a worker. Um, and and as from, for me as a color commentator, it was just easy to always call AJ matches. Just easy. It just, what he does is very easy to, to not just describe and narrate but to get connected to while he's in the ring working so uh i miss calling his matches i mean i, I miss calling a lot of guys matches but aj's definitely one of them so um congratulations to him it's well deserved he works his ass off he's a family man um he's a good dude he's a passionate guy i've watched this guy argue with the office now i'm not talking about wwe because we never were in wwe together i've watched this guy stick to his convictions when he feels firm about something and, you know, 
he's not a, a gullible, you know, a country boy here. AJ's a, a savvy veteran, a pro's pro, a man who is very successful, making a lot of money for a long time. Uh, you never know it when you meet him because he's a regular guy. He's a regular guy, and he's a guy who definitely will did not forget where he came from and how he came up. But I'm telling you, he sticks to his convictions. I've watched him stay firm on stuff uh, backstage, stuff that he wasn't happy with, where the office was going. And when I saw that side of AJ, I was surprised. I was I was happily surprised. Like, wow, I didn't know. <clears throat> Excuse me, I didn't know. I thought this guy was like a not, not gullible, but like a, just a a good old country boy, a nice guy, just laid back and chill. And he is laid back and chill, but you know he's not a dummy. I can tell you that right now. He's a very intelligent man. And uh, I, as you can hear in my voice, what I'm saying, I'm very happy for him. I'm proud of him. Uh, uh, you know, I've never had the chance to wrestle AJ, and we're different generations and all that jazz, but he's a guy. I get asked that question a lot. You know, who would you want to wrestle if you're still wrestling? And there's a lot of guys, but, but uh, you know, AJ's definitely one of those guys I would have loved to have a chance to wrestle. Um, I think my style when I was in my prime and his style, which the guy's always in his freaking prime, um, I think all styles would have, no pun intended, would have worked well together, uh, would have played off each other well, you know, um, just just how I see it. But um, congrats again to AJ. Now, now here's the thing. So this news kind of broke, well, it didn't kind of broke, it broke on social media big time. I don't know, it was middle, early to late afternoon. I was probably around 3 p.m. Eastern time, something like that. I can't remember the exact time, but I uh, I didn't initially see the spoiler on WWE.com. Now, Dennis, when you can, just find that spoiler where they basically said it's a spoiler, but they spoil it in the spoiler announcement. But... um. And read it when you get a chance. See, here's the thing. That it really like I don't want to say it pissed me off, but it was like, ah. I saw people spoiling it in their tweets, uh, which isn't cool. You guys can't do that. Well, WWE did it. Yeah, well, you know what? Let them do it, and then I guess you not that you need my permission, but then I guess it's okay to do it. Or is it good to just pile on that? Probably not. I don't know. I I, I think that's messed up. And I think it's messed up with WWE tweeted. And I know why they didn't. They've done this before. They're, they're trying to get a number. I understand that. And they're trying to build their social media but get a rating. I get that. But come on, man. They spoiled it in the post. You got that post? No, they do uh, They do a lot of tweeting during SmackDown. So I'm scrolling deep here. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll oh, I got you know, it. I... 16, 16 hours ago. Uh, so 16 hours ago would make it. Shit. I'll file a time stamp on the who gives a shit, Dennis. Read the post, you schmuck. Come on. <laughs> Breaking news. New champion crowned at hashtag SD live in UK. And then afterwards, caution, spoiler. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's like the track, the trailer runs you over. And then all of a sudden, as you're laying there squished, you hear a horn. <laughs> little late. You know what I'm saying? You're laying there squished. Hold on. There's a tractor trail. Boom! Oh! Beep, beep. Got it. Okay. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing with this? Well, why? Why are you doing this? Why Why would you... Spoil? Some people are like, oh, well, wait a minute. They, they didn't say which championship. Oh, look. There were two titles defended last night. The tag titles... And the U.S., uh, the U.S., the, the WWE title. Two titles, okay? 
So they didn't put an S at the end. Champions crowned. Is that called plural? Yeah, traditionally. I got not know it's not rocket. Oh, God. Bad. Let her rip. Yeah, it's unprofessional. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got. I just. I got this whole just sinus, upper respiratory, lower respiratory. You know, you know what lower respiratory problems are, right? Uh, gas. Like bowel, bowel movements. No, it just means you you got gas. You got lower respiratory. They close. <laughs> Just gas. That's all that means. But I, I, it's just, I, I, it's tough. I'm trying to make thoughts. I'm in my opening monologue, and my head is congested. I feel like there's a big cotton ball in my head with pus around it and mucus. So that's visual. So anyway, um, I, I don't, I don't think that WWE should do this. I, I, I'm, I know they're very smart with their social media. I know they have. Experts that help them with this and there are people on payroll that do I know that and I respect their intellect on it. I do but As someone who follows several of their accounts and a lot of fans out there I don't think it's cool that they do that. I, I'm sure there's not more than I'm sure there's more than one logical reason why they do this but I just don't feel it. I just don't think it's good and I Wanted to watch Smackdown and go in straight. I didn't want spoilers I didn't want it. I mean, did I still watch the match? Yeah, but I knew the end of the movie. I don't want to know the end of the movie. Don't. When I first started doing the Taz show here a couple years back, a few years back, whatever, um, I remember I was there was something that I spoiled without even knowing I spoiled it. I was talking. I can't remember. And it was a, a mild outrage on Twitter. People were like, dude, why'd you do that? But, and you know what? They were right. And I felt bad. And I always remember, don't do that. You know, don't do that. That you know. So WWE knows what they're doing. So they spoiled it, but I guess it's just to, to create buzz and to get more people watching it or something to watch SmackDown. I mean, you know what I mean? I guess that w- what it was, or to get get it trending. And and I understand we live in a different world now. I know that, but still, I mean, you, you got a TV show, you want people to watch it. Uh, it's a tough thing, I guess. I don't know. Did you see the spoiler gimmick, uh, Dennis? You weren't really paying attention. No, I saw it. I mean, everybody was tweeting about it, and it just, that's the problem with, obviously, the, the time differential. Like, UK's, it's like 1 o'clock over there in the afternoon right now. So they okay. taped it, like, normal time for them, or they, they filmed it normal time for them. Right. And it's like, that's the that, right word. Don't say film. Don't say film. Yeah, I, film I get very, let, let, me, let, me, let me stop you. Because there are other people that don't know what they're talking about. And one of them is Mike Johnson. When he says the word film, he says a lot. And he has no idea what he's talking You sound very Bush League when you say that. You're not Bush League. You are a big-time audio producer for CBS Radio. Sir, you do not say film. Film is big screen. Film is when they film a TV, like a sitcom on CBS or NBC or Fox, like, or a big Netflix show. That's film. Film is the big screen. Not film. Tape. They tape. They tape TV. They shoot TV. Let's use the right dialogue. Continue, sir. So they they tape it live over it there. Funny if you said, so they film it. <laughs> that would have been funny. So they tape it over there, and then obviously with the internet and people with cell phones and everything, now it's like it, it got out instantly. So, yeah. 
as annoying as it was for the WWE, they kind of have to get out ahead of it or with it. They're not getting out ahead of it. They, let me get this straight. Let, let me get this straight. Hold on a second. So you now you are now speaking on behalf of WWE? Is that what you're doing right now? I'm just confused what's happening right now. No, I'm not speaking on their behalf. I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Well, well, you have something very strongly in common with the owners, uh, Mr. and Mrs. McMahon. You both went to the you're both East Carolina Pirates, all, all three of you, so you might as well. <laughs> the three biggest alums. The three biggest alums. Vince McMahon, Linda McMahon, and the lumberjack Dennis Jones of the Taz Show. There it is. <laughs> Oh man, oh man! If Vince only knew. They uh, they always ask two of us to speak it like uh, <laughs> like oh, can you guys come back? It's always Vince and Linda though. It's never me. <laughs> I politely. That's because you passed. I politely yeah, decline. You, yeah, and so then have to put Linda in there because you passed. I know, I get it. Yeah. So. <laughs> ah, man, Pete Jones. He said no. He's got to do a linebacker clinic. Uh, in, yeah. in, in, in I'm teaching the Uber. youths how to tackle with yeah. their eyes up. <laughs> Keeping their head up and then lower their hips. He's teaching how to, how to tackle. Yeah, that's what's going on there. <laughs> oh shit. Um, <clears throat> no, but I see your point. No, no, and it's true. I mean, I get it. I understand. I, I, I didn't bring that point up, but that's a good point because of social media today and people with cell phones and Twitter accounts. And how can they ignore it? I know that. I remember as an announcer, being in the um, beginnings of this, where we were always in. Towards the towards the later runs to me as an announcer in WWE for sure. Where whenever we were doing live, shooting live stuff, you know, if something was gonna go down, this is when Twitter started to get popular and social media was starting to get a little so we had to be or we was always like the dirties. Well, they're gonna write about, it, they're gonna, you know, put something on social media about it or whatever. So we would go to Vince, like, well, should we how do we handle this? Do we what do we say here? You know, like and it was always a struggle. Vince like, God, I got to think about this. You know, because he didn't want to. I can tell you that from dealing with him. He didn't want to, like, stooge it off or spoil it or something. He didn't want to, like, say it until you saw it. He didn't. But you would see him tussling mentally with this, you know, and like, well, come back like a half hour. Let's discuss it again. He wanted to think about it, you know. And then usually he, he, he was always concerned with not – he really didn't want us, the announcers, look stupid because if your announcers look stupid, like they ignore something – then you're losing credibility in your announcers, and if your announcers have no credibility, well, that's not good. So, so because then these guys telling a story, no one believes, you know. So that's a problem. But regardless, <clears throat> I wish there was a better system here when they are across the pond doing TV or something like that, or in you know another country, and they're not on uh, the the time zones of America, uh, Eastern or West 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 Coast, Jones Pacific, as they call it in the time zone areas. Uh, Name it's Furnums. Yes. So I wish there was another way around it. I really wish because I, I don't want to sit there and look at the Twitter. I had people tweet, oh man, I didn't look at the Twitter because I knew this. I didn't want to see spoilers. Then the last minute I go on and look and it's spoiled. You know, it sucks. Sucks. Like I said, I watched the match. It was, it was a really good match, but like I knew the end of the match. I'm like, ah, spoiled. You know, it hurts a little bit. But at the end of the day, that should not take away what WWE did. It was a shock and awe gimmick for sure um, last night. And like I said, those guys had a good match. I'm curious to see where they go with Jinder Mahal now. So it looks like um, uh, they're, they're gonna they're gonna keep put they they gotta keep pushing him in because he's pushable and he's he's an investment and he's making money for the company and doing well. So um, they'll do something with him or get it back on him at some point. I do think for Survivor Series that match is now 
ultra intriguing with AJ and Brock. That should be something else, you know. So uh, uh, I don't know. It should be pretty cool. Also, I just want to say another thing about uh, something else in SmackDown that jumped out to me. Um, well, I don't know if I should say it. I guess I can say it here because um, ah yeah. So but Ellsworth and um, James Ellsworth wrestled an intergender match against Becky Lynch. <clears throat> now I have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I was surprised and. I, I don't know if I have to say I was wrong. I don't remember what I said in the past. I know that I've alluded heavily to the fact that you're really not going to see a male do any physicality to a woman on WWE TV. I don't remember my exact words. Uh, but uh, So I have to say I was wrong on that because they did that last night. It wasn't heavy physicality, but they did. They had, I remember, you know, seeing Ellsworth do different stuff. To Becky Lynch, like a headlock takedown or push her and knock her over and physical stuff. Um, I was surprised at that. I really, I'm not knocking it or nothing like that. I'm just saying, in this day and age and how things have changed, and I'm surprised I saw that. I'm surprised WWE did that. I am surprised. That definitely heavily surprised me. I was watching, like, wow, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I mean, and I'm not exaggerating when I say shocked. I was. I was shocked. I was like, wow. I didn't think we'd see that anymore in the WWE just because of the climate in our society and how everything is and um, with men and women and how things are and how the world's changed and how what you put out on, you know, TV and stuff as a production company and what everything's got to be, you got to be careful and, you know, you don't want to offend anyone and all this jazz. So I was, uh, I was very surprised. I was very, I'm not knocking. I I thought creatively, uh, from a booking perspective and how you would book pro wrestling, Becky and Ellsworth had a good match, and and what they did was smart and made sense. There was a lot of ha ha comedy spots in what they did, and that's it to be expected. You know, they have Ellsworth as kind of a you know he's well he's a clown. I, I'm not calling him personally a clown, but the character. I mean, for for most of the times you've seen Carmella has homeboy on a leash, you know, like Doggy Jones. I mean, you know. So, you know, you know, so like, how can you take the guy serious? So, you know, the match is going to have some ha-ha. You know, you knew it was pretty obvious that Becky was going to win the match. You know, it's um, it seems like uh, maybe Ellsworth is uh, gone-gone uh, because we saw Carmella. Uh, which, did you see this match, Dennis? Or Anthony, one of you guys? Yeah, I saw it. I, I, I walked away at the finish. I had to do something. At the tap out, I saw him tap out Ellsworth. And then Carmella do something. Did she bump him or beat him up or something? Did she kick uh, him or something? She came in and it looked like she was going to protect Ellsworth because like, uh, Becky was laughing right. at him and the, the, the other women outside him. of the ring were. And then she super kicked him and then just walked away. Kick Jones, yes. All right, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, we'll see where they go with that. So, uh, you know, I guess maybe he's... Oh God! I apologize for my head. Do I sound nasal? Oh God! Ah! <laughs> Sorry, I'm snapping here. Yeah, you got a little nasal to you. Oh man! Wah wah! So anyway, so I think that um, I I think it was uh, I don't think this is something you'll see a lot. This intergender stuff with physicality. I think. It was a moment where they could do it. It fit for the story. Um, they've passed up on doing stuff like this in the past, in the recent past, too. I, I just, I've talked about intergender wrestling a lot 
on the Taz show here over the past 400 and close to 500 episodes. I'm not a fan of it, as you guys know. It doesn't mean I don't respect the men and women that compete against each other in independent wrestling, in intergender matches, or other companies that do a lot of this. Um, I've had debates or chats on the air on the show with excellent wrestlers like Veda Scott, who's a female in the independent scene who wrestles men a lot. And I've talked with Vader about it. I've talked with Gail Kim, and you guys know Gail, who just uh, is not in favor of intergender wrestling. So I've had conversations with women on the air about the both sides of this. You know, there's a lot of it. You know, uh, Joey Ryan does a lot of intergender wrestling and, and does it at a high level. So there's, there's definitely a market for intergender wrestling. A lot of fans do like it, men and women do like intergender wrestling. They do. I personally don't. That's just my, it's not my cup of tea. Um, but you know what? I, I obviously respect the in-ring work of any wrestler, male or female. It doesn't matter. So as long as they're professional and they know what they're doing, which, you know, usually you see that for the most part when you, you see a good intergen- intergender match. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I just don't. I'm just not. I wasn't a fan of uh, Now, when I was a color commentator in WWE, we had a good amount of that back in the day where there would be intergender matches. I wasn't a fan of calling it. I don't like calling it at all. Now, again, if for those of you that don't know, an intergender match means physicality between a man and a woman in a wrestling match where a mix, let's say a mixed tag match, that could be a guy and a girl against a guy and a girl in a tag match. Women on women physicality only is allowed, and and male on male physicality only is allowed. So that's the difference between a mixed match compared to an intergender match. For those that don't, I know most of you guys probably know knew that already, but I just you know yeah, let so many some of the newer fans to the Taz show know what that is, or maybe you're more of a casual fan and you didn't know that. But so I'm here to educate. That's what I do. Did you learn something, Dennis Jones? Right there. You when we discussed this the last time. Um couple months ago you explained it to me then so i learned it then and i remembered it now are you saying that i forgot that we had this discussion already no no no. you you even said yourself we talked when you first started discussing this you were like we've discussed this in the past yes so it's just a refresher for myself which i was astute to great all right so this is what i'm gonna do I'm going to go to break. Other side of break, uh, take a couple calls, uh, talk about um, a little bit more on SmackDown, and definitely talk about the Ric Flair 30 for 30 special we saw. Uh, also, got to talk about some politics with Pat McGroin that he did the job yesterday. I want to give you some back behind the scenes jargon chatter that happened during the election. Very interesting stuff. So, uh, Taz Show's just rolling on here, kids. Wednesday edition. Sit tight. Be right back. That'd be good intro music if you walk into the ring, you just slowly walking, eating like a big salami and provolone hero, with like rolling vinegar on it. 
walk in the ring, get ready to fight. I didn't want to tell you this, but this is actually, I use a boombox, an old school boombox, and that's the song I play when I walk into the deli. I had a feeling. I had a feeling it was. I had a feeling it was, as they say, yeah. So, uh, so that's the deal. So I'm going to talk a little bit. Um, uh, you know what? I guess, I, I, guess I, I should give some thoughts to opinion before I get to the phones here. The Ric Flair uh, documentary, 30 for 30, it was definitely um, epic. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I Obviously, the production was outstanding. When, you know, I've watched a lot of these 30 for 30s like a lot of you folks have. Because most of you people, like myself, are sports fans. So, you know, it's an ESPN gimmick. And they do a great job, Documentary Jones. They do a great job on it, the production of it and all that jazz. And, and everything about it is excellent. Now, this one was spectacular. And I think for most of us, either uh, former wrestlers or people who actually know Rick, or even fans from the, the, the gigantic millions and millions of wrestling community in our world, uh, enjoyed this more than maybe some of the mainstream sports 30 for 30s because it was a, a not just a wrestler but arguably the greatest of all time in the nature boy Ric Flair. So um, I loved it. And if you haven't watched it, I urge you to watch it. Now, I do know ESPN, they do replay these a lot. And you can get it online, I'm sure, at whatever. I'm not really supposed to plug ESPN stuff. I can lose my job for that. But um, <laughs> but. Right, is Fermento going to get mad about the, the I don't want to plug this, right? That, I yeah, they're not heat. thrilled about it, but I think for something like this, they, they get... That's what I have to deal with later. Oh, my God, my head. I that. The congestion in my brain, man. Oh, man. I just did English, man. You know when I, you never heard me do English, man? Sometimes I do that. I don't know if I'm familiar with English, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My son teases me. I do English, man, sometimes. Well, I'll be... I'll say man, like almost like Rasta Englishman. I go, oh, my head is hurting me, man. You know, like that's Eng that's Rasta man. But then sometimes I'll do English man. You know, like I'll say, it's a, whatever, inside joke. But anyway, take all that out of the podcast. So um, the thing is, um, this was spectacular. This thing on Ric Flair was spectacular. This 30 for 30 was spectacular. Listen, it the reason why it was spectacular because it was real and because – they took you on an emotional journey here. You know, you got to see a huge chunk of the success of Rick and how things went down um, and, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff and so much footage of him, from him meaning Rick, from the NWA, even way before that when he first broke in. Great stories of when he first broke in, in, in with uh, Gagne, Vern Gagne, along with Ricky Steamboat, Steamboat and Greg, Greg Gagne, uh, you know, uh, Vern's son, um, you know, and it was so, it was, you know, stories about Ric Flair in college, you know, and how he, he effed that up a little bit, and, and he was a little bit of a wild man, he was a lot of bit of a wild man, and that he was adopted, and just so much detail that I, I didn't know, and I know Rick a long time, and I, I, I love Rick, um, I, but I didn't know a lot of this stuff, and how would I, you know, I mean, the thing is, uh, it was really, if you're a fan of Ric Flair, you definitely ha had to watch this, or you have to watch it, even if you're not a fan, if you're a wrestling fan, you should watch this. Um, which Rick is uh, arguably the greatest of all time. I don't know who you're going to say is better than him uh, as far as in-ring and promo work. I really don't think it's really anyone. Um, but they had awesome, awesome comments and footage of so many wrestlers from different generations talking about Rick, which I thought was great. 
I really did. I thought that was great. I mean, I didn't write them down, but I'm just spitballing. People like Hulk Hogan, like I said, Greg Gagne, Ric Flair. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Road Rory Animal, uh, uh, Arn Anderson, uh, Jim Ross, you know, good old JR. I mean, geez, it goes on and on. Triple H had a, a bunch of stuff in there because Triple H, you know, and Rick are very good friends, as most know, and they, you know, Triple H deals with them a good amount now. And obviously, Charlotte Flair, Rick's daughter, tons of comments from her, and uh, Rick's first wife. You know, it was just, it was, it was, this is, this was spectacular. And you could see it took these, these ESPN folks a long time to do this because there was a lot of footage. Lord knows how much footage they have that we didn't see that ended up on the floor, as we call it. That that didn't air, that didn't make the cut. They probably have they probably have enough footage because the amount of people they interviewed, Sting they interviewed too. That the amount of people they interviewed, they probably have enough footage to do another one <laughs> on Rick. Uh, seriously, uh, I'm not sure that won't happen. But the thing is, man, it was uh, it was epic. It was great. But the one thing it was to me, I hate to say this, and I don't mean this as disrespect. It, it was sad. A lot of it was very sad. You know. Um, a lot of it was very sad. Obviously, what happened to to Rick's son, you know, him his passing and stuff, and how that affected Rick and or Rick's life and how he, you know, he basically he says he admits he was not a family man, and and you hear like his kids and you hear his his first wife, you know, it's 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 you know, he was Rick Flair. He lived the gimmick. He said that in those words, and and I'm going to talk about that in a second here, but about living the gimmick. And I know I was, jeez, uh, I, I, I started, I broke into business, uh, you know, 1986 and started coming in, you know, into the business in 87 to 88, you know, started to you know, learn learn more and more. And I want to just say some things, like I have a lot to say about this Ric Flair special, the 30 for 30, so just bear with me if I'm all over the map a little bit because I didn't write nothing down. I want to just be honest on my true feelings on it. So I gave you a lot of feelings on what I thought of watching it, but also it triggered me on some things because I, I, you know, when I heard Rick say, like his first match, I think it was he was talking about, or, you know, like no one told him nothing, like during 20 minutes, whatever. And I've talked about, now, those that are real hardcore fans of the Taz show, you've heard me talk a lot about that type of stuff when I first broke in and how it used to be during my generation. Well, the generation before mine, which was Ric Flair's generation, uh, they, they, uh, they were worse than my generation with that. Like, meaning, you knew very little when you were a wrestler. When you got in that ring, you didn't know much. They, they didn't tell you nothing. It wasn't like some people think where they sit there and they walk you through it. I picture NXT like that. I picture that happening now. It's a different generation now. This day and age, the, the kids wrestling today, it's totally different. The way it was back then, you were thrown in the water, literally, and see if you could swim. You were set up for failure, and those who could succeed were winners. That's how it worked. Where today, they set these kids up for success from Jump Street, if that makes sense, how I just word that to you all. Um, but that's how I really feel about the different generations. But I heard Rick talk about that. I, I that, that, And Rick's older than I, and you know he's had a lot more matches than me and a lot more success than me. But, but I can tell you, I had the same happened to me like what rick was saying i started laughing because that's how it was for me i didn't know what the word kayfabe man i didn't know you know I, I they would you would go into matches and and when i was just coming up and i wouldn't know who was going to win the match until like last minute 
So you you had to call everything in the ring. Like, you know, you had to call it in the ring. There was no, you know, nothing. Uh, so I like that that came out in that documentary for casual fans to understand that. And for even hardcore fans to understand how different it was back then for wrestlers. And it was hard. It was harder. It was a lot harder than now. There was nobody holding your fucking hand. That's my point. It was straight up. Like, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard because the mental end, it was a mind fuck, man. It really was. I... I would come back. You heard Ricky Steamboat just say on a special on the 30 for 30 about Rick. Ricky Steamboat said when he trained with Vern Gagne, it was the hardest thing he ever had to do in his life. Okay? Listen, guys. I never talked to Ricky, and I know Ricky, right? I never talked to Ricky about this, Steamboat. But I could tell, and he's, he's, a, he's the man. I love Ricky. You know, here's the thing. Okay? I promise you, Ricky Steamboat is not just talking physical. Sure, they showed you the animation of the the, all, the crazy amount of firemen carry drills up the steps they had to do in the building. That's insane. It's tough, tough shit. All the squats they had to do. Uh, you know, all of us from wrestling schools back in the day have a lot of horror stories, including guys who came out of Johnny Rods, like myself. It was far from easy. Um, so my point is, I guarantee you Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair and Greg Gagne, when they were training there with Vern Gagne, and everybody else that came up, like you could talk to Hulk Hogan about here Matsuda and the way that, or, or anybody up in Calgary under under the late great Stu Hart, you know, that type of thing. You know, you, you can't put into words how hard it is physically, but nevertheless, mentally. Mentally. And I bet you that's what Ricky Steamboat was talking to, how hard it is mentally. So Ric Flair comes from that world. I got a good chunk taste of that world when I came up. You know, I I remember, and it was for me the hardest thing I ever had to do. Also, so I know what Ricky Steamboat was saying, and how tough it was, and where Ric Flair quit, and then and I thought that was great. That animation when when he went to some bar, whatever the hell it was, I can't remember where, and then Vern Gagne went to find him, and he he just knocked him on his ass and get in the car, let's go. You're going back to the dojo. I thought that was great. That was funny. Um, uh, you know, and I and that's how it was back then. That's how it was. You know, I mean, that's how trainers were with their cult. The House of Hardcore, when I came up, not came up, when I was running the House of Hardcore, the original wrestling, the re- original House of Hardcore, the ECW wrestling school that Paul Heyman owned and I ran. Um, I remember remember um, when we had the uh, erotic experience, a tag team that never made it, and it was two guys. It was, uh, it was Pat Smith and it was Chris Chetty. And they were going to do this tag, be this tag team called the Erotic Experience. And they both broke in in the house of hardcore. Now, Pat and Smith ended up leaving the business very early on. He never, No one even knew who he was. But Chris Chetty, obviously, everybody knows who Chris is. And, and Chris had a good amount of success and was a tremendous worker. Now, before their first match, um, I remember, um, and I think Danny Dorian could tell some stories like this, too. <laughs> Like, I, they were nervous, and I just, right before their matches, their, their debut match, and I don't remember if it was an ECW arena where it was. Uh, it was a house show, maybe. I can't remember where it was. And I was wrestling later on in the card, and I knew they were nervous, and they were my guys. They were Perry Saturn's guys. We trained them. And I went up to them. I said, you guys nervous? You're right. And they were, they were shitting a brick. They were terrified. They were nervous. And they had a good amount of training under, under me and, and, and Perry. And then I just... Just slapped them both. Boom, boom. Quick. <laughs> right in the locker room. Yep, that's true, dude. <laughs> Just pop, pop, real fast. And they looked at me like they wanted to 
fucking kill me. And I go, the first hit's done. Now you're not nervous. Go kick ass. That's how it was back then. I did that to wake them up, get that nervousness out of them. So they went in the fucking ring and they were pissed. That's a lost art. I'm not saying that should happen today, but that's how it was back then. And that and that now what I'm talking about was the, was the mid nineties, okay? But but now could you imagine stories coming out of the NXT whatever the hell the uh, the, the performance center that Triple H runs? Could you imagine that? Oh my God, there'd be lawsuits. There'd be oh, it'd be all over the news. Oh, one of the Triple H's trainers at the performance center slapped a wrestler before his match or or or, or knocked a wrestler on his ass so so he wasn't nerve. Oh my God. Dennis, could you imagine? That would never happen. Right or wrong? The, oh, not even close. I remember a couple years ago. Um, I'm blanking on his on his real name, but he was um he was Hugh Morris in WCW. What was his? Uh, Bill Demont. Bill right, Trey, yeah, yeah, Bill yep, yep. And he Bill, got in trouble because he was he was a tough well, love guy. I mean, here's the thing. Like it, you should, sir. Please be careful when you say certain names because you don't understand. You see, you need to do your homework. It's hard to come on a show like this, Dennis. I know you're new here. It's hard to come here. And interact with wrestling chatter. So you got to be careful when you start spitballing your internet jargon. Uh, Bill DeMott trained at Johnny Rods. And he broke in the class after my class. And I was there when Bill started. So I know Bill very well. He's a very good friend of mine. So we came from the same world, bro. So Bill, like you, was an excellent football player. Except he played on the collegiate level. New Jersey guy. And Bill DeMott is a super guy. I got a raw deal a lot. But to your point, yes, there was all this. I'm glad you brought Bill up because I forgot about Bill. But there was all this chatter about Bill and how tough he was. And then he couldn't, they, they wouldn't let him stay there and working for WWE anymore. And Bill worked for WWE for a long time. Long time. You know? And, and uh, but you didn't know any of that. I just told you right there. So you didn't know that. Right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, don't be embarrassed. Don't be no, embarrassed. No. I didn't know he went to Johnny Rods. I, I mean... Obviously, I, I knew he was in the wrestling business for a long time. Any name you are going to mention before you mention it, you need to Wikipedia it from going forward. Any name, anything, okay? I forgot his I forgot his name. Not just wrestlers. Anyone in general. Anybody. Oh. That's the rule. You have to Wiki everybody. Now, what's the rule if you don't have a Wikipedia? Don't talk. Just say nothing. Okay. Say ditto. And are you okay with this new rule? That he should just state ditto instead of speaking. Is well that, said, Anthony. That, that's the new rule is what we're agreeing on. The lines are full, Anthony. You're doing a good job. I, I know. I, I got people on the phone. I will get to them. Anthony, please leave me alone. I'm doing a show. So <laughs> my point is. Stump my groin. Yes. <laughs> my point is it is extremely, extremely difficult today to do something like I said. The reason why I cracked both those guys because I love those guys. Okay, and while they were in the ring wrestling their first match, I damn near had tears in my eyes because I felt so proud of them. You know what I mean? And and it, that that's it, it, it. It's different. So what Vern Gagne? I'm bringing this full circle. What Vern Gagne did to Ric Flair when you saw that animation of him knocking Rick on his ass and saying, "Get in the car," and we're going back to to the dojo, going back to the to the facility. You know, it's from a place of love because he knew Rick had it, the it factor, and he didn't, he's not a quitter. And and obviously, Vern Gagne doing that 
in this day and age that would be frowned upon. But yet, if he didn't do that, we wouldn't have a Nature Boy Ric Flair in the wrestling world, right or wrong. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. His career would have been gone. It wouldn't, wouldn't even happen. So, you know, but it's just interesting. When I saw that, I, I thought about how I came up and how Johnny Rods was with me and how difficult it was. And I'd get my ass kicked. Guys like me and 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 my friend who I miss dearly, Alex Rizzo, who was Big Dick Dudley. For many of you people knew him as Big Dick Dudley. And we broke in together and 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 guys like him and Mondo Clean and who was Damien Demento later on. You know, us coming up, uh, a guy named Bialo the Giant, you know, um, coming up on the Johnny and how difficult it was uh, physically and mentally. I come come back. I didn't have my own place. I lived at home, and um, and then I would go see my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I'd be in tears. Like I, was, it was such an emotional. Dennis, you have no idea, dude. Like I'm not kidding you. Like it was so hard to learn. I wanted to quit so many times. So when I heard Rick talk about that, he, he <laughs> how much he wanted to quit. That, that I'm just letting you guys know this. It's not just Rick during that era who that happened to. There were so many of us. No matter where you train, his era or my era, it was crazy then how difficult it was because the trainers withheld so much information because the business was so protected, unlike what happened, obviously, with the Internet and all these stuff that gets out there about the business and all of our private inside terms or this or that or the way things are done. So now trainers today... You know, even if they're veteran trainers and guys that are respected, because some of these people are training people are green kids, so it's the blind leading the blind. But the thing is, like, even guys that are veteran trainers, you know, they have to like uh, they have to train people differently than it was where I when I got trained. They got to be careful they don't get sued. They got to be careful that they make sure they that people sign a certain type of contract so they don't get sued. They got to make sure they don't disrespect verbally or be too tough on anyone, dude. I, <laughs> You know how much I was disrespected coming up? <laughs> and I didn't care. It was tough. It was very tough, very tough love. You know, that's how it was. That's how you, you built that chip on your shoulder. And most of the guys that were successful back in the day coming up were because they went to trainers like a Stu Hart, like a Vern Gagne, like a Hiro Matsuda, you know, uh, uh, like a Johnny Rods, um, you know, like a Killer Kowalski up in Boston, you know, where Triple H went and so many others. And, you know, like th these guys were, were tough son of a bitches that were training guys. And it was hard as shit. So when I watched that with talking, them talking about Vergani, I thought of that a lot. Um, but like I was saying, it, the documentary itself, it was sad. And, and seeing that... Um, how Rick's life was outside of the TV cameras. You know, it was. It was difficult to, to watch as a guy who knows how things goes. And, um, you know, <laughs> Rick definitely, I, I, you know, I've been in hotels where Rick stays. And Rick, Rick always loved to have a party, always had a good time, always had a smile on his face. And if you were getting walking to a lobby of a hotel and you had to walk past the lobby bar, and you were tired because you called three hours of wrestling like I did in TNA with Mike today. I went right to the elevator, right to my room, and went to bed. <laughs> but if if Rick was there, you had to watch, because if Rick saw you walking in the elevator, he'd damn near tackle you. Get your ass in the ball! Let's go! Like, you couldn't... like that. But it was funny. It was fun. That's You know, it, it was all from love. You know, Rick, just good dude. You know what I mean? 
So that's so seeing some of that in that documentary yesterday, I I I understood. I they told the story perfectly. I seen a little glimpse of that. Now I wasn't in the NWA with Rick. I wasn't in the WWF with Rick when Rick was there. I wasn't there for that. But but I had little glimpses of sharing a locker room with Rick as as we were both veterans later. He was older than I, but I so I do know a little bit how he was and 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 got to know him and always respected Rick and, and he always was really, really cool to me. And he's been on my show before. So he's actually been on I don't know if you knew this, Dennis. I did a week live, a test run before we did the Taz show live, and I did it at uh, downtown at FAN. I actually did it in Boomer and Carton's studio. And Rick, that, during that week of live sample shows, Rick was one of the guests on my show. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I think we called it Taz Live. Was that what it was called? Nobody knows. I don't know. Maybe someone's tweeting it. Dennis, did you go home? Are you gone? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm listening. Um, you're 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 telling great tales right now. So uh, lose the attitude, smart ass. Okay, hold <laughs> down. All right, I don't feel good. You don't have to be nasty. See, this is the tough love that you had at being a uh, learning the game wrestling growing up, and now I'm receiving the same that that Johnny Rods gave to you. Yeah, I guess so. So um, when it comes time for me to pass on my biz deving skills down the road, I'm going to use I'm going to use the knowledge that you provided me. And that you've learned you, from Johnny Rods? Sir, the problem with you is you have a mental block. You, you don't learn things. It's that mental block means in your brain there's a cinder block that no knowledge can get through. So that's the problem with you. You're not an extremely intelligent guy. You're not even, you don't even have common sense. You just kind of matter. You're like it, an it factor. You're just there. You know what I mean? I mean that in a loving way, though. I don't mean that. No, I know. So, so, uh, but Rick did say something, um, and I said the sentence before where Rick said, I live the gimmick, meaning the nature boy Rick Flair. He lived that gimmick. See, I don't want to sound like an old timer. You know, these kids today, you know, they, you know these whippersnappers. I don't want to do that, but I got to tell you, like, this is, and I've said this before on the show here, this is part of the problem. Uh, a little bit today with the younger talent. Uh, by the way, I'm getting confirmation. Taz Live was what the shows were called. Taz Live. When uh, I think people could find it at TazShow.com when Rick was on uh, with yours truly. Taz Live. The lead producer let me know that. So uh, he's always listening, Dennis. He's always over the show. You know Happy that, right? To help. Anyway, like I was saying, when Rick says live the gimmick, he li- he lived the gimmick. And, and that, that's what I'm saying about today. You know, like, I don't know if that happens that much today. And I think there's a lot of reasons why and where it's tough for the younger talent today to live the gimmick. You know, back in the day during that generation and even my generation and even the generation after mine, there was more mystique about us as talents as wrestlers because it wasn't we weren't living our lives on social media so no one knew what was going on no one no one even thought of it they just would when they saw you that little encapsulated moment on television that's what they knew so you, it was a little easier to live the gimmick it was less was more and it wasn't constant real life on social media where they saw you all the time or heard from you in tweets and Facebook and Instagram posts. And so that wasn't happening there either. You know, um, where today, now pay attention, 
folks. Today, if there are wrestlers, and there are some that try, and a lot of these younger talents, guys and girls, and they're most of them are awesome, don't get me wrong, they do try to live the gimmick. They try. It's hard. Because when you go on social media and you try to work people, sometimes it's transparent because fans are a lot more intelligent to the gimmick now than they were back in the day. So it's much more difficult in this day and age to live the gimmick than it was back in the day because fans are just more savvy to everything. That's just evolution, and I'm not knocking fans of back in the day. It's just there wasn't that knowledge. There wasn't that info. So wrestlers like myself could work the gimmick and work the locker room and work everybody around them a lot easier than it is today. Because just uh, there's so much has been done, and this people are just smarter today to everything. It's just it's the whole thing. It's just harder. It's just flat out harder. Um, Dennis, from a fan perspective, now you know I didn't discuss this. What I just said does that make some sense to you? You you, you grab grab what I'm saying here? Oh, absolutely, makes a hundred percent sense. Cool. Well, I just want to make sure, like, as a soundboard here, I um, you know, I, I was. I, Look, when Ric Flair says living the gimmick, you know, I, I smiled. I'm like, damn right, brother. That's that's why you, you you had the success you had. And and I laughed because I'm sitting in my living room laughing, watching because I lived the gimmick, you know. <laughs> and to my detriment, I, I was knocked uh, for living the gimmick um, because it was, like I said, a generation after Rick. And um, some of us were living the gimmick then, and I definitely was. And I'm proud to say I was. And if I had to redo it again, I would. I would take myself a little less serious, but I would live the gimmick still. And and living the gimmick is not just to the fans. At times, it's to the locker room, too. It's just much more difficult today to do that. It's much more difficult today to do that. It really is for, for these younger cats and, and, and cadets and kittens. What would you call girl cats? Oh, don't say it. Yeah. Oh geez, is it a kitten? No, that's a baby. No, that's cat. a baby cat. I'm gonna look up male and female cats. Yeah, male cat felines and felinettes. That maybe would be wrong. Um, I never owned a cat in my life. They seem sneaky and they're nasty. So they don't I know seem. A lot of they cats. are it. They are sneaky. Uh, if I had a cat, I would name it Sneaky Pete. That's a great name for a cat. File it under who gives a shit. How's that? Um, so, yeah, so there's your little jogging. Uh, oh, Tom, Tomcat's a male, and then an unaltered female cat is called the queen. Okay, so the Tomcats and queen cats unalteredness today, it's different. That really didn't go well. Take that out of the podcast, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the wrestlers today, man, it's a little harder. That's my point. It's a little harder to work, um, to work people. Um, no, I got to go to break here. Okay, other side of break, I really got to get some phone calls. I want to talk more about this, Rick. There's other thoughts I want to talk about, like like Sting uh, talking, uh, what Sting's thoughts and opinions were, and about the Sting Rick Flair classic match. I, I want to talk about some of this stuff uh, for sure. Um, I got to talk about some politics with the Pat McGroin. We got to do that. Jeez, one hour down, one hour to go. This is just a pack and loaded show as usual. Sit tight, Tash.
Yeah. All right, Ski. Back here, Taz Show, one hour down, one hour to go on this Wednesday edition. We're talking a little bit about the uh, the Ric Flair 30 for 30. If you didn't see it, you should watch it. Uh, I'm going to get into some more thoughts about that. going to talk, uh, I want to try and get a chance to talk a little college football. But the rankings, new rankings are out there, so I might hit that later. Uh, let me go, uh, let me uh, talk to, uh, who I want to talk to. Oh, we got the, there we go. We got New Mexico. We got the LB. You're on the Taz show. What do you say there, Haas? Talk to me. Hey, Taz. Appreciate you taking the calls all the time, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of you and the show since the FTW days, man. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. What's going on? Yes, I just wanted to see if you could share a Taz tale. So I traveled uh, from, I still live in New Mexico, but I traveled a few hours to my hometown to visit the folks, you know. And yeah. uh, I was thinking, hey, man, I'd love to hear a Taz tale, like, from his travel days, you know. Maybe you could share something with us, man. You mean just, like, bro, LB, like a random travel story? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, well, I mean, you put a lot of miles back in the day. Yes. A lot of miles. <laughs> I mean, miles. tons of them, man. I mean. LB, you know who, who the war, are you driving now? Are you you're driving? You're, you're what's what's the deal? Oh, you drove yesterday. I, you're driving. I, w- I will I will be driving. So when I head back to uh, when I head back home, I'm going to be listening to to the podcast version, audio on demand version. So you yes, know, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Well, LB, but, I can uh, tell you this: uh, the worst wheelman. We call it a wheelman. That's the guy who drives. The worst wheelman in the history of wrestling is none other than Joey Styles. Uh, Joey Styles sucks as a driver. Joey and I have discussed this on my show. I'll have Joey on again, and I will rip him again. The worst guy to drive. He gets lost. He's a bad driver. He's the greatest guy in the world. He just sucks as a wheelman. So I have a lot of stories of where I wanted to strangle Joey while we were driving because he drove me up a wall. And LB, thank you for calling. Um, so when I think of road stories, I think of Joey. Now I didn't drive with Joey during EC dub. I drove with Joey during WWE when we worked together in WWE. All the years in ECW, I didn't drive with him. Um, him and I didn't drive. A lot of times in ECW, uh, well, I drove with different configurations of guys, uh, to the Eliminators, to uh, Chris Chetty, to um, uh, Tommy Dreamer, myself, uh, Paul Heyman. Um, uh, the Dudleys, uh, a lot, you know, so that, that was talking for a lot of us from the North, the New York area, obviously we drove a lot together. So that's how that worked. But anyway, I, 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 I have to think of some stories like from the road. I know there was, there was, there's, I definitely, one day I got to tell a story about when Kurt Angle and I were driving. I don't know if I ever told this and Brock Lesnar was in the back seat, and he was a new green young guy and, and Kurt and I, this was in WWE. And, and Kurt was, I'm sorry, Brock was in the back seat, and we were driving somewhere. We were in like, we were way out. Shoot, man, we might have been like in Idaho, somewhere way out. It was freezing cold, snowing. Uh, I'm, I'm partially starting to tell the story now, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna back off the story. But it was a funny story. And and um, we used to drive a lot together, uh, the three of us, Brock and Kurt Angle and myself. And Kurt would always drive. Kurt never wanted me to drive. I think it was a New York driver thing, and he never told me. No, no, I got it, Taz. I got it. It's okay. Why, Kurt? I'll drive. No, no, I got it. <laughs> Dude, no matter what was going on, he always wanted to drive. That is 100% because you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, and so Brock, when he first was coming up, they, they threw Brock in the car with us, 
And then Randy Orton, when he first came up, Randy was driving us. So a lot of times it was me, Kurt, Brock, and Randy. How's that car? <laughs> we had a lot of fun. Uh, and those guys were green. They were young, but they were crazy son of a bitches. But I can tell a lot of those stories down the road. I'm not going to do that right now, though. Uh, I'm not going to do that right now. Hey, let's go out to Australia, and let's talk to uh, Adrian in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Adrian, uh, what do you say there? How are you? Hey, Taz, thanks for taking my call, buddy. Um, I just wanted to make this quick. I know you got a packed show. Yes. Um, I've got my tickets to WrestleMania. I'm going to my second WrestleMania next year, first time in New Orleans. Um, after that, me and my buddy, we're driving to Texas, a uh, big fan of the Texas barbecue. And I wanted to ask you, because I know you're very well-traveled, um, I've got I've got one week in Texas, and I want to maybe squeeze in two places. Where in Texas, the top two places, um, not not restaurant itself, just areas in Texas where I can go and um, fulfill my Texas barbecue um, uh, needs. Okay, uh, I would say, and I've been to Texas a lot. I I used to love working in Texas. Lower low your radio, dude. I um, I hear myself. Oh, sorry, buddy. Hang on. That's okay. All right, so. That's better. I, I deal with a producer who does that to me. I don't need to call his doing too. But anyway, uh, so he, here's the thing. Um, I, I would definitely say, look, Texas is a great, great spot for barbecue. Now, you being from Australia, you understand the Bobby, as you people call it. We call it a barbecue. Yeah. Now, here's the, th- here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, there's different types of barbecue. Now, look, I have a lot of fans that listen to watch this show from the South. So I could be wrong on some of this, but I do know there's a different in type of barbecue. Like if you're in the Carolinas, their barbecue is a little different than in Texas. And if you're in like, um, Georgia, I think that's a little bit different. But in Texas, I, you know, I've been to San Antonio a lot. I would say anywhere in that area, uh, there's definitely a lot of good barbecue. I also had the opportunity to go to Amarillo, and I wrestled on one of Terry Funk's retirement matches. Uh, he had many, Terry. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that sarcastically because I love Terry. And Amarillo, Texas has a, a plethora of really good barbecue joints. I'm going to teach you something right here, Adrian. Here's the key with a barbecue place. They don't give you a plate. You know what they give you? What that? Dennis, do you know what they give you? Uh, is it a tray? They give you wax paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not joking. So so this is the thing. Adrian, check this out. Do you know what wax paper is? Do you have that in Australia? Uh, maybe it's called something else. No, I don't know what that is. Oh, Lord. You have aluminum foil? How do you wrap up food to put in the refrigerator to eat later? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, aluminum foil, we call it, yeah. Aluminum foil. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said, but okay. Aluminium. Yeah, here's the thing. Wax paper is like a, it's like a picture like aluminum foil that rolls out of a little gimmick. They put that down in front of you, and then they put meat on it, dude. Like, it, it's like it, it's almost like you're, you're a cowboy from back in the, you know, you know uh, whatever, 1800s. Like you're like a cowboy just eating like a, uh, you know, some bull's ass. You know what I mean? Oh, so it, it, perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. Dennis is a big fan of that. I know. <laughs> I will eat any part of the bull. Yes. Including the ass. But um, I would say, I would say anything with wax paper is legit. Uh, Brownsville, Texas, another area that has a lot of good, good, uh, barbecue for sure i mean look you can't go wrong brother even some of the franchise places in texas that have barbecue they're going to be good (laughs) it's just the amount of cattle that walk around that state is insane they they, so they have all 
access to all of these animals. Thank you for calling, sir, and enjoy your barbecue. Unbelievable. I, I'm spitting knowledge about food, different cultures of Texas. I mix myself sometimes, Dennis. I knew if I had to if I had to talk Texas barbecue, you'd be the guy I'd turn to. Yeah. I almost just cursed you out because I almost just snapped for no reason. You know I do that sometimes, right? Conversational cursor. <laughs> uh, hey, let's go to Columbia, Pennsylvania, and uh, talk to our friend Michael. Michael, you're on the Taz Show. What do you say there, Hammer? What's going on, Taz and Dennis? Wait a minute. Who is this? This is not Michael. Who is this? This is Michael. You're all no. from originally from Lancaster. You moved, you son of a bitch. You moved. You confused me. What happened? Oh. Long story. I want to get to uh, the reason right, why no I problem. called. I won't... Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I know you got a packed show. Yeah, go go for it. Go for it, Mike. What's going on? Lancaster Jones, Amish City. You were the guy who always accused me of an Amish man. You said, no, no, I'm not an Amish man. I just live in Lancaster. Now you live in Columbia. I digress. Continue. What's going on? Anyway, uh, Taz, I know you and I were in the same boat yesterday when all the social media was uh, spoiling the main event last night about the news of AJ winning the title last night getting out there, including WWE.com, oh. putting it out there before SmackDown aired. I mean, you know, what happened uh, to the surprise element? Yeah, I, I, we, did you hear the beginning of the show or not Not yet, Mike? My, my no, show. I didn't. I apologize. Yeah, that's okay. Don't worry about it. You, you, go, you listen to the podcast usually of it? Yeah, usually later on, yes. You don't sound like you're being honest. You, Dennis, didn't he sound like he just lied? It had a little hint of uh, hesitancy to it. Mike, you're an old-time caller of the Taz show. You know how I am, and I know how you are, sir. But no, listen. Go back and listen. But this, I talked about this because you're right. It, it sucked what happened. I didn't like that, that the element of surprise was Gonski for sure. And thank you, Mike, for calling. And I think uh, earlier uh, Dennis made a good point, and it's true. It's just because in this day of social media, people have cell phones, and they're posting stuff. And so that that's what happens. And... So WWE can't look like jabronis, and they got to kind of upcut that. So before you all get it out to the public, they get it out to the public. I, I'm not saying I agree with it. I understand the position they're in. <clears throat> but um, it does ruin the show. Uh, it def def ruin. And just, you know what? We don't deal with it a lot here on the East Coast, but just imagine fans that are like on the West Coast when it's a big shocking surpriser, and let's say they're shooting TV, live TV, uh, on the East Coast, and then people on the West Coast, they get it late. You know what I mean? It screws them up. Don't they? Wouldn't they just get it at five o'clock? Like if it if it starts at eight o'clock East Coast, <clears throat> doesn't it just start at five? Why are you trying to poke holes in my commentary in the show? What what's the problem here, Anthony? You see what this guy's doing to me today? He's always, you know what? I'm starting to see he's always trying to sabotage the show, yeah. hoping it turns to him. Oh yeah! Oh, dude, that's for sure. I'm a mark. Definitely for sure. Oh, uh, Lordy B. Um, yeah. Well, then it depends if it's live or not. That made no sense. But uh, you could be right. I know I've seen people complain from the West Coast when you know you'll tweet something about what happened and they get pissed. Okay, maybe not. Take that out of the podcast too. Stricken. I don't know. 
All right. Uh, la, la, la. Oh, I want to talk a little bit more about the Ric Flair thing. So Sting wrestled Ric Flair. That, that epic match, Clash of the Champions, and we saw some footage of it yesterday, and we heard Sting, the icon Sting, get interviewed, talking about Ric Flair and how much Ric helped him. That was really cool to see. Uh, Sting, great dude, great performer, obviously, but great guy. Um, and I I saw that match uh, when it happened live, and it's so much that NWA stuff was epic. I mean, epic. If you'd never watched NWA back then, if you're a younger fan, you know, go, uh, wherever you have to get it, YouTube or WWE Network, whatever, man. I'm not promoting shit. I'm just telling you, if you're a wrestling fan, NWA had some of the greatest stuff, stuff ever. Um, and that match with Sting and Flair from Clash of the Champions, did you see it, Dennis, or not? I, I haven't seen it in full, but I know that's one of like the legendary matches of all time. So yeah. I've, I've seen parts. Great, dude. Unbelievable. I mean, just the athleticism, the storytelling, the physical, how physical it was. And some of those matches, they, they really told the story of the chops and the physicality between Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. I remember seeing all that stuff, too. It was unbelievable. I mean, it, I, I, that's what I also liked about the 30 for 30. It showed, it explained, it exposed the amount of f- how physical the business was. And that these guys weren't playing games. And now Ric Flair was getting interviewed by Sally Jesse Raphael with a sweatsuit on, with the glasses. Did you see like the, the old school footage of Rick in the shop? <laughs> Sally looked good. She had. Why was she wearing a Sergio Tacchini sweatsuit? Anybody? <laughs> How was going on with that? But, and then, um, the, and then uh, she had all the women in the audience like heckle Rick. I know. And Rick was, was getting pissed. Yeah, no, he was getting pissed. <laughs> he was. Did you see that? He was, he, he was mad. Yeah, but I love that because they were disrespecting the business and he didn't like that. And ladies and gentlemen, listening to me right now, I'm telling you, and you've heard me get pissed off about this, stuff like this with people, fans, whatever. Um, dude, that from that generation and the generation after, and it, it, and it, it is a sore subject. You know, you got to be careful. You had to be careful what you said to a wrestler back then. Use that F word. That's a good way to get a promo cut on you and maybe get your ass whooped. So, you know, because it wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. And you saw Ric Flair's face. He found nothing funny about that in that old footage. I thought that was great. Go back and watch it. That's the respect that wrestlers had for the industry back then. I'm not saying the kids today aren't like that. I don't know how they are today. I'm assuming they do. But I got to say, I want to tip my cap to you, the wrestling fan. Because the wrestling fans today... Even the casual fans, but mostly the hardcore fans, the real dedicated wrestling fans, you people don't disrespect the business. You very rarely see it anymore. You don't see that. It, it Back in the day, because there was the mystique about it, ah, oh, it's fake, ah, oh, it's fake. You don't hear that no more, which I think is so awesome. And there's a lot of reasons why I think that is the way things are. Like, basically, that has been full disclosure about the business. So now, over time and evolution, there's just a respect for what guys do. And it's a foregone conclusion that finishes a predetermined. And now we can enjoy the athleticism, the acting ability, and all this other jazz and the storytelling. But fans in general, thank you. Because most of you all, hardcore fans and casual fans, you don't hear, or I don't see it on social media. You don't hear people popping off saying stupid shit. The only people you see saying stupid shit are people, like you'll get it from the MMA world. Like guys from MMA, if a fighter uh, wants to segue into pro wrestling to make more money or to make steady money, you'll see something insulting from an MMA guy. Oh, that's, that's fake. You know, it's. I understand why those athletes are doing that. I do. 
Uh, but you'll see that once in a while with that. Because MMA, and I understand that, they don't want to be in the same, considered in the same realm at all as professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And they shouldn't be, and I understand that. It's combat sports, and then think even that pisses off people from the MMA world or or even boxing because you know our industries was looked at as a show, you know. And some back in the day looked at it as a circus. Unfortunately, some of the leaders of the industry caused that circus feel of the way it was promoted, but that's another story for another time. But So anyway, I just felt like spitballing about that a little bit. I mean, I, I thought that part was cool that, you know, you could see Ric Flair getting a little pissed off, you know, uh, during that interview with Sarah Jesse Ra- Raphael, which a woman has so many names. And and then also uh, that Ricky Steamboat explaining how hard, you know, he was chopping Rick. And Rick was chopping him back. And how beat up their bodies were. I mean, 30-minute matches. It was great. Hearing Hulk Hogan say stuff like, look, Rick was better than me. I mean, you know, and you hear Rick Flair say Hulk Hogan was selling, you know, vitamins and milk, and I was selling, you know, booze and sex. You know, I mean, it, it was just just spectacular. ESPN, do a roundtable. It's a layup. It's easy. Get some of the main people that you spoke to, put Rick in the middle of it, and let them just spitball. Oh, man. Could you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On to something. Oh, yeah. There'll be a hack. Hacked on a regular basis here, yeah. But um, but anyway, so that's that. I talked I talked more about the Ric Flair thirty for thirty than I thought I would, to be honest. But it was great. I, it was uh, uh I it was great. It was great. Um, oh, we're getting word from people in the West Coast. Eric Viziano, Truth X sixteen X. He tweets a lot about the show. He said to you, Dennis, negative, sir. It's on later here. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate that. Also, was getting some words. Side note here: uh, Is there some issues with the Radio.com app in the UK? Uh, is there some problem where it's not working for some folks? I'm seeing some chatter about that. Did we, did we do our homework on this, Dennis? Did Seth say something? What's going on? We're still looking into it. So, okay. for those people that are listening to this, let me translate what that means. When, yeah, you could laugh because this is true. When Dennis says we're looking into it, and you know what that means when he says that. Uh, that means he'll get to it in like a month. Yeah, that means he didn't do shit. That's what that means. That's that's lying radio talk. That's lying radio talk. Exactly. All right. No, so I got my uh, best men on it. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we'll get. Uh, we're gonna go to break here. I'll decide to break. Get into talking uh, some politics. Like I said, talk a little sports. Um, and uh, it's the Taz Show, fourth quarter city coming up. Sit tight, ladies and gentlemen. Be right back. Wednesday edition Tash Show. Uh, let's go to Miles in California. Uh, you're on the Tash Show. What do you say there, Haas? How are you? How's it going, man? Good. Talk to me, kid. 
Um, yeah, first of all, I just want to say you're going to kick this cold, quicker than you think. The cold? Yeah, I'm... Yeah, do yeah, I sound... I sound like... Kick it quicker than you think, man. I know it. I know. Do I sound nasal or what? What's the deal, Miles? A little bit, man. A little bit, yeah. You did a little bit. I know, but I still battle through, Miles. I'm an award-winning broadcaster. I'm the best of what we got, as they say. But um, I'm trying. What's going on, bud? Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, I know it's kind of late, man, but I'm just curious. um, What's your your take on the whole Usos promo in the match? Say that one more time. Usos what? Usos promo in the match. Usos promo about the match? No, and the match. The promo oh, and the match. And, oh, I'm sorry, misunderstood. I didn't know. I did some Usos promo about the match. No, I, I, I look. I, like I said yesterday. Look, I'm. I, I love the Usos. Okay, I'm. I don't know if this injury is this a shoot injury. That's the thing with the knee. I was gonna get into that whole knee block thing. I didn't get a chance to do that yet, but I should. Uh, Cesaro, Sheamus, uh, Raw champs going against the Usos. You know, at, at Survivor Series, I like it. I think this will be a better match, Miles, yeah. than than it would have been with, um, you know, with the Shield versus the Usos. I agree. Now, um, I haven't paid attention much after the fact, but uh, Dennis, there reports that this knee was that knee on Jey Uso a shoot injury. I, I know they stopped the match. I saw it last night. I haven't um, seen any updates, like nothing from WWE.com and the uh, the dirt sheets, as you like to call them. Nothing official okay. yet. Hmm. The knee uh, choppage. Uh, you saw this match, right, Miles, last night? Sadly, I kind of fell out on it. All right. Yeah, there was a, a, a knee choppage um, last night that was by uh, Chad Gable. On the outside of the ring, I think it was it was definitely one of the Uso. I think it was Jay Uso, I believe. And thanks for calling, Miles. I appreciate you. Appreciate it. And it was full speed, uh, you know, chopping of the knee. He left his feet, Chad Gable, you know, and all the stuff. It was a really intense deal. Now there is a way to take that bump if you want. If 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 you're Uso, there's a way to take that bump not to blow your knee out. You know, he knew the, he knew it was coming. Um. It's it's dangerous because it's an awkward way to bump. It's it's really not even a bump. So <sighs> I, he sold the shit out of it, Uso. I mean, he's the way he sold it. And Des, if you see anything, let me know. Just stop me. Um, he sold that thing great. He really did not. I can't remember who. Somebody was tweeting me saying, "Yeah, but um, because uh, I put I put out like, wow, that, I tweeted something about that that knee block." That low block, you know, um, chop block, I should say. Uh, and a fan said to me on Twitter, I'm not looking at Twitter right now, but said, um, yeah, why did, uh, why did um, you know, uh, Chad Gable go under the ring afterwards? Why did he do that? You know, why, why would he do that? Why, well, I, 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 I can't even respond to that on Twitter, only because the thing is this. He, he, he's in a tag, he's in a match, he's, he cheated while the ref's back was turned. The ref was trying to get back Shelton Benjamin, and he cheated, and and Chad Gable did. So he t- tried to hide. I mean, it's tag team. It's, it's heel wrestling 101. Dennis, you feel me on this? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Well, it's the way it goes. I mean, it's just it's the way it's been like for like ages. That was not a new thing. I don't know. I don't know if this was a legit shoot injury deal here. Um I don't know. I don't know. It was the chop block was nasty. Maybe you know. I. I maybe. 
and again, I don't have the inside sources. I have them. I just don't use them because I'm not going to prostitute my friendship with people uh, for stuff like that. Give me some dirt. I'm not. That's not my gimmick. Other people do that for you. Um, my pers- my my perspective is this this maybe I'd hate to say this if I'm wrong, so I apologize ahead of time if the news comes out that this guy's really hurt. I hope I'm wrong anyway. I, I don't want him to be hurt. I don't want him to be hurt. I mean, um, I think if he was shoot injured, the ref after the ten count would have got out of the ring and checked on him and talked to him, and he didn't. The referee stayed in the ring with the winners, which was Gable and uh, Benjamin on the count-out victory. So maybe they did this injury angle as a rouge to, uh, you know, um, so people don't get pissed that they got a tag team title match and it was a screw job finish at the end, you know, a count-out. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure. You don't see any reports about this guy really being hurt? No, nothing yet. I I think... I mean, if I if I had to guess, it looked because they showed the replay, and when Gable chop blocked him, uh, I think it was Jey Uso. His knee got caught on the mat, like the, the protective mat around the ring. Yeah, and it and it like normally when you, I mean, again, I haven't taken a boink, so I don't know for sure. But in in football, that happens all the time, and you yeah. you know your leg goes with you. His leg got caught on the mat and it like buckled underneath of him. And the reason why it happened is because he's wearing sneakers on an amateur wrestling mat, and that could happen where it's a basketball type sole sneaker and it gets stuck and you get and that happens. I've seen it, and it, it can happen. Same thing in football where your cleat will get stuck in the field turf or in the grass, and that could happen, and then your knee gets buckled. Absolutely. Um, um, absolutely. Uh, I was asking you if there was any reports of it. You're over here giving me like your analyzing of the bump, which I don't know why you would even do that. And you see this? Like, what? why? Why? Again, like I stated previously, he's trying to make it about himself. So he comes off like a wrestling expert when he's really just regurgitating what you're saying. Arturo, no, Arturo, my friend Arturo in Norwalk, Connecticut. You, sir, are on the Taz Show. What's going on, buddy? Good moment, Taz. How are you doing there? Good, buddy. Talk to me. What's going on, man? Uh, I got two things. One is uh, I love the shakeup in SmackDown. I think the title changes uh, now reinvents Survivor Series. It adds some more excitement. And I love the uh, size difference between Brock and... AJ, which they need to introduce eventually if Finn's going to get back in the race. Uh, um, I don't, we mean for the, will Finn get back in the race for that universal title, you say? Yeah, in other, in other words, because if you look at Finn, Finn is, you know, what, like 210, 215, and Brock's been, you know, wrestling these heavyweights, so it'll be good to see Brock wrestling oh. people a little, a little smaller yes. in size, introduce it a little better, you know? Yeah. Yes, I know. I agree. I misunderstood you at first. I agree. More importantly, Arturo, what have you been smoking lately? Talk to me. <laughs> uh, I'm on the road. I'm smoking an EPC Canil Rebellious, which is delicious, full-bodied, oh. and Jacob Broadley, Ecuadorian, all the way through. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm just, bro, I'm just stuck on Drew Estate smokes, man. I, I'm smoking these light models. You ever smoke the shade, the light one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to, uh, how do I get some... How do I get some sticks over to you? Oh, you want to send some sticks to yours truly. That's simple. Uh, We'll put you on hold, and uh, they'll give you an address. Hey, Aunt, just grab Arturo's address here, 
Uh, well, so don't, let's not hang up on Arturo, and then uh, and then he'll he'll get stuff. You do it that way, brother. Secondly, uh, thank you. And secondly, uh, I've been watching wrestling for over forty years, uh, and I'm only I'm going to be forty seven pretty soon. But I would say the biggest difference between wrestling now and then, and I can't wait to watch the Ric Flair special, is that when I was a kid growing up, we didn't worry what happened behind the curtain. It was all imagination. And now mm. the, the generation now wants to see what's behind the curtain all the time. And I always laugh because you'll always hear kids, my nephew even said it, oh, Vince must be bad at this, Vince must be bad at that. And I'm over here saying to myself, he's got so much on his plate, it's not as if he sits there analyzing every little move. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure he does, right. but he's, he's not sweating none of it as far as it goes because he's worried about his product, his four walls, and his brand. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest difference. I think these kids want to know more and more. But for me, the mystique was always when the four horsemen were running rampant and, you know, time ran out at 7.05, you, you were, like, dying, like, oh, what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next week? And now it's completely different. You know, it's, it's you know, it, I, I guess it's t- sign of the times, but it's just something I notice more and more. No, you're exactly right, Arturo. It's just evolution. It's just as we all, as a community, as humans, as society, we get smarter. You know, technology changes. Obviously, social media. You know, the internet's. It's you know here to stay. I mean, all that kind of jazz. You know, and that's the reason, bro. I mean, it's just. But you're right. The mystique was there back in the day, and it's not anymore. And and that definitely could affect things. I think wrestling fans, Arturo, watch and, and, and pay attention to wrestling different now than back in the day, to your point. That's what it is. No, I agree. I agree 100%. I think, uh, you know, they question uh, so much more about, and again, there's so much gray area now, too. We, you go back to Heel 101, and it's, I'm sorry, the stuff made off 101, the stuff you were saying, and, um, you are the only fan. You are the only fan that's allowed to use inside terms of the Taz show because you are going to provide yours truly with cigars. <laughs> so we love you. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Much respect to anybody who gets into a 16, 18, or 20 by 20 squared circle because it's an art form that will is ingrained in my life and will never go away. And I appreciate it all. So it's good stuff. Well, look, I, that's cool to hear, brother. Thank you. And and the thing is, um, you're going to love this 30 for 30 on Ric Flair. You didn't watch it. You said you will love this. I promise you, you're going to love it big time. And look, it, you don't have to be sending no cigars over. That's nice of you, bro, but you don't have to do that. But if you'd like to, uh, no, hold I'm, on. And we'll, yeah. What's that? Yeah, no, it's up to you. I appreciate it. No problem. I, you know, cigar nope. lovers, cigar lovers, and, uh, you know, I cover the territory. It's what I do. So I kiss babies and give out cigars. We're good to go. But you're not, yeah, I don't want you spending your own money. You, you get hooked up. You, between you and me and everybody else listening to this, there's only like 10 people that download this. Don't worry about it. No one else really hears it. Um, maybe, maybe a little off the truck. You know how it goes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. On that note, hold on, Arturo, and uh, good talk to you. Anthony will get your address, all right? I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll give you an address, all right? Thanks, buddy. Hang on there, Arturo. So you got Arturo. Anthony's taking care of that, Dennis, I hope. Good for hope you. Not. Good for me what? No, I'm going to hook you up, too, up. Bro. Oh, I got I got a lot of hookups. I got bro, I got people from you have no idea. Dude, please don't talk to me like I'm some schmuck. Don't, Dennis. Just stop it, okay? Why do you gotta piss me off? Oh, I wish I had an answer for you. All right, anyway, um some quick sports talk here. Um and then uh and then I want to talk a little bit about politics because I wanna say 
a congratulations to someone in politics, by the way. So I want to get to that in a second. But first, in all seriousness, um, we heard yesterday extremely sad news, tragic news uh, came out of nowhere. Uh, Roy Roy Doc Holloway uh, passed away yesterday in a plane crash, uh, Gulf of Mexico yesterday. Um, this guy was a, a great player, a great pitcher in the sport of baseball, and um, two-time Cy Young Award winner. Um, I believe he won it uh, for the for uh, he's the only man, the only player to win it in the American League and National League, I believe, Dennis. And he won it for the National League was probably playing for the Phillies because he was just just spectacular pitcher and and I believe the Blue Jays, right? So he he's a did you know that he's a yeah it was I know he, it was one of I think he's one of six players to do it in both leagues. No, I thought he was the only one. Really? He's the one of six? No, Max Scherzer won it for the Tigers, and then a couple years ago, Clemens won it for the the Blue Jays. Both? Yeah, and with the Astros, um, Gaylord Perry's won it. I thought it was, wow, you're just piling on me here with this information. Pedro Martinez. Mm, I like Pedro Martinez. He was good. But um, in all seriousness, uh, the bottom line is – this guy lost his life at 40 years old in a tragic way, and apparently he loved flying. I believe he he was flying the plane, correct? From they're not 100 percent right now, but they believe it was a small enough plane that it was something he would have flown. Very sad. Well, uh, thoughts and prayers with his fans and obviously his family. Um, it's very sad. I mean, young guy, successful guy, um, had an amazing career. You know, just very sad. It's very, very sad news. Um, so, it just really stinks. Uh, hopefully, his family can get through this the best they can. It's tragic, very tragic. Uh, there's some other news. Um, UCLA, UCLA basketball, three uh, three young men uh, arrested right now, I believe. They're incarcerated in China. Uh, the UCLA basketball players, three of them. Uh, Leangelo Ball, which is Lonzo Ball's younger brother, uh, and two other players, two of his teammates, were arrested in China um, before Friday's season opening game against Georgia, Georgia Tech, I should say, uh, in Shanghai. Uh, this, I don't know, I mean, this could be bad, man. I mean, these kids are, you know, this is, you're in China, you're under their laws. I mean, there's a lot of scuttlebutt that these kids could be, this could be it. They could be there for quite some time. I hope that's not correct. They obviously made a mistake. They're young guys. I mean, Jesus. I, mean, it's, it's, I can only imagine how their parents are, what they're thinking here. This is a nightmare. Nightmare. You know, and of course, there's all the attention that it's Lonzo Ball's younger brother. I, I don't care about that. I, that. That don't matter. He's just, just LiAngelo Ball's his own person and his two other teammates. It's sad. It's sad that, that, that they made this mistake and then they got arrested and they're in China and we got to get them out of there. You know what I'm saying? It's just bad, bad, bad. Have you heard that too, Dennis? That they, they, these kids could be, they, this could be really bad here. Yeah, it's never good to get arrested in a foreign country. Well, thanks for that commentary. Uh, so yeah, so so uh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Okay. <laughs> I mean, really, like at that point, Buy just a hat. Take, your, take your mic and slam it against your face and walk away. Okay. <laughs> College football chatter. Some of the college football chatter. Yeah, the uh, new rankings are out, and uh, so I want to discuss that a little bit here and uh, what we got going on because it's interesting. Um, you know, it's college football is a 
violent game. And I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking about in the world of rankings. And if you get a loss or two, you are doomed, no matter how great your team is. So the playoff rankings are number one is Georgia. Number two is Alabama. Number three is Notre Dame. Clemson's four. Oklahoma's five, which is interesting. I don't know if they belong five. Now, you and JR might get mad at me, Dennis, but I'll tell you why in a second. TCU, six. Miami, Florida. I think they're playing Notre Dame this week, which should be a great game. They're playing Notre Dame, aren't they? They are. Miami is playing Notre Dame. That's going to be a game game right there. Uh, Three rank against uh, seven rank, but both teams are legit. That D-line for Miami, bro, I don't know if you ever saw them, the D-line for Miami, uh, they are fierce, phenomenal. Uh, a very talented Wisconsin team's number eight. I'm telling you right now, this Wisconsin team, I've been talking about them. Have I not been talking about them from the beginning of the year? You have. I'm telling you, they are really good. And just keep your eye on that Wisconsin team. You got Washington. They're at nine. Auburn's ten. All right, so I'm not going to get to the rest except for 13 and 14. Number 13's Ohio State right now. Number 14's Penn State. These guys were top of the heap recently. Just a week or so ago, but, you know, a couple losses here and there, and you kind of get exposed and you're doomed, and that's what happened with these guys. Now, speaking of doomed, I think that could be the problem with Oklahoma, and some folks are feeling, and I kind of agree, Oklahoma at five is a little bit rough, rough for me. I mean, look at their offense is legit. Ain't no doubt about it. Their defense, though, is a little suspect. I got to say, their defense is a little rough for me. Uh, I I and I don't think I'm the only one saying this, um, you know, it, it, Baker Mayfield at the quarterback spot for OU is for sure, for sure, legit. He's on fire right now. Is he not, Dennis? He's out of his mind. He threw for almost 600 yards last week, playing out Insane. of his mind. Insane. Insane. He's better than the kid Donald at, Donald at USC. He's better than him. He's just far better. Uh, and OU sitting right now overall 8-1. But that defense is a little sketchy. Did you not notice this? I know you're an Oklahoma fan. Did you not notice that your defense is a little rough? Yeah, I have I have no problem admitting the defense isn't the strongest unit, but at the end of the day, all you gotta do is score more points than the other. And luckily our offense is that good. Yes, Captain Obvious. You gotta score more points to win. Well said, Dennis. Well said. I'm giving what cliche cliche day. It's cliche day today. What are you going to do when you're debuting dead air? Oh, my God. It's going to be brutal. Ant's going to carry me. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. That's even worse. Uh, All right. Let's talk a little politics. Uh, So um, we got here is got to give a congratulations out there. I'll talk with the positive and then go into the negative. No, maybe we'll go the other way. Go negative first. Uh, So Pat McGroin of the Taz Show lost yesterday. Dennis, what was the numbers? I got the numbers. He lost by like, like 174 votes, right? It was less than 200. It was, I'm, I'll get the, the exacts the of it right now. And yeah, it's sad. We wanted to have Pat on today, but apparently he's very distraught. Uh, this is the second year in a row he did the job. He lost last year, too. Um, his cousin was victorious, actually, in a neighboring town, and his cousin and him, they look similar. One has a mustache, one don't. If you look at my Twitter, you'll see it. Um, and uh, his cousin really uh, was victorious and is bragging about it. He posted something and said, my cousin Pat sucks, but I'm over. So uh, Tug was really rude to do that. What's that? Tug was really rude to do that. He, you know, well, There's yeah, no I need know. to kick a man when he's down. 
No, I agree with you. I totally agree. And and that's you, know, you think your cousins and 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 I don't know how close though Pat and Tug are, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, the groins are a pretty close family, from what Pat's been telling us. Yeah, they're tight, as they say. They're tight groins. So Pat um, lost one thousand twenty votes to eight hundred and forty six votes. But there's rumors there's some kind of thing going on. I was talking to Seth about this, and, you know, he's a New Jersey person, and he and Pat are very close friends. Uh, shocking. And um, um, basically, apparently, there was some kind of tomfoolery or shenanigans with the machine because Pat was saying he spoke to one of his neighbors. He's hanging out with his neighbors at the voting gimmick, Pat. He was calling. And, he called the show yesterday. <laughs> and... And uh, the guy went to vote for Pat, he said, but the machine was unplugged. <laughs> That's a true story. This is like one of those one of those movies that you'll see on like TBS on like a Saturday afternoon. And, and like the premise is like local man runs for office and he's just this great guy. But the big time politician does some shady stuff. Oh, the <laughs> polls are unplugged. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Make sure you do the bend. Yeah, I, I, it's like, so Pat, I think, is feeling like he got worked and got a rouge here where he should have won because the machines were unplugged because, what's his face? The guy he ran against, uh, what's his name? Rock, Rotten Cog, right? Bob Rotten Cog. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he apparently was unplugging all the machines. What kind of shit they got going on in Jersey over there, these freaking people? He votes Holy for shit. himself and unplugs the machine. <laughs> Taylor's all this time. You can pass that Jersey stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, so Pat's feeling a little gloom and bloom and doom, and he's down in the dumps. And um, it's sad, you know, uh, I guess he don't want to call the show because I, you know, maybe he thinks that I would rip on him or something, which I wouldn't. You know, I'm not like that. I wouldn't make fun of him. You know, I would never kick a guy when he's down. You know me. Uh, that's I, not my that's stuff. That's very true. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I seriously just wouldn't, you know, that's not what I do. I mean, I just, but I do, uh, I do want to say congratulations uh, to my old friend, Matt Morgan. Uh, you familiar with Matt Morgan? Yeah, the the blueprint. Correct. You know, he was victorious. Did you not know this? I didn't know he was running. Oh, you didn't know, hey? Uh, well, you should follow Matt Morgan on Twitter like I do, and Matt follows yours truly. Matt Morgan Basically, uh, won 58% to 42% over Mark Weller. Okay, District 4, Longwood Commission, Matt Morgan. I think he still lives that Longwood. I guess that's Connecticut. I know Matt's from Connecticut. No, Florida, my bad. Longwood, Florida. I apologize. So he's living down in Florida now. So Matt, congrats, my man. Big man, the blueprint himself. Matt Morgan, 58% to 40 Man, you see wrestlers run a lot. Rhino ran. You know, that's great. Great. Just shows that we have a brain. And um, Matt's actually an ultra-intelligent guy. I've had many conversations with Matt. He's a great guy. Uh, love Matt Morgan. Underutilized guy. Seven foot tall. 320 pounds. Um, just an animal. In great shape. Uh, and a great guy to talk to. i got to have Matt on the show, damn it. I'm going to have him on soon, actually. I don't do guests much, but I love Matt. I always got along great with Matt. But you, can have anyway, him, uh, you can have him stump. You can talk about his, oh, his platform yeah. now. Yeah, I know. But I can't make... I can't... Maybe oh, I just got a great idea. Maybe we should have Matt on, and to give Pat oh, some advice. Genius. Oh, oh yes. I'm Pat McGroin. I'm a simple man and the best of what we got. Woo! <laughs> that was Pat's downfall. I'm telling you. 
I, I think Matt Morgan, I got to have Matt on and do an intervention with, with Pat where he could teach Pat how to win the next election. This is tremendous. I am a genius. Unbelievable. So go throw Matt Morgan a follow at BP Matt Morgan. Throw him a congrats. Tell him Taz put him over. Tell him I, I miss him. He's the man. And yeah. Congrats to uh, to Matt Morgan. So Matt successful, Pat a jobber, uh, but yet Pat's cousin Tug was victorious in the neighboring town. So good for them. So uh, you know, good for the good for the McGroin team on that side of the team. Whoa! I think, that's, I think that might be it. Uh, Pat, maybe we'll try and have Pat on tomorrow. He's an overnight sensation here on the Taz Show. You not realize that we're making him a star. <laughs> that day, what was it? Last Thursday when he was in studio. When when the show ended, Pat, you would have thought Pat won like the Olympic gold medal. Everybody was just high fiving him like on the office. But he was like this. Everybody was like, "Pat, you crushed it, man!" And he was like, "Thanks, guys." He was a he's legend. Like, he's like, "I'm just a simple man. I was just talking." Guys, I'm Pat McGroin. I'm a simple man and the best of what we got. Woo! I know I shouldn't sit in his chair because he gets mad. Oh, man. You know, and I, I try to get him out of that nervousness by saying, hey, Pat, welcome to the Taz Show, and he freezes sometimes. Pat, Hi. welcome to the Taz Show. Hi, thank you. Oh, it's sometimes he freezes. I don't understand. Tell you who's not freezing. That's me, because uh, we're ending this bitch right now. So thank you, everybody, who listens to the show or listen or download this version of the show. I appreciate it. Uh, probably do live video uh, sometime this week. Sit tight for video action to a full throttle Jones Facebook live everything uh, I'm not sure which day but it'll happen and uh, and that's the deal so appreciate everybody who called the show interacted with the show I appreciate you very much hope you guys enjoyed it share the show tell everybody about it don't stop alright guys thank you I'm Taz you're not adios my space and screen names back then when I was only worried about my top friends now my circle is getting smaller all these people acting fake man and to be honest, I don't even have a top 10. Me against the world, I've been doing what I really love. Haters been hiding behind the screen, man, they movie cuts. And when I'm back at home, it never feels the same. Cause we've been doing our own thing, trying to stay up. I want to go back to days with no grades. We ordered the kids meal, play ball, that's all day now. I'm stuck looking at this Instagram page, but these likes on my and getting paid now I've been wondering where the party at Cause all of my concerns Got me wondering where they got the Bacardi at So go and pour another drink Just to get away We gotta live it up Carolina here to stay I'm hoping I won't let you go oh.